Chapter thirty eight of Geographical Reader Europe by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Chapter thirty eight Among the Mohammedans. Our first business this morning is to learn something of the Turkish Empire and how it is governed. We leave our hotel and go to the Sublime Port, a vast building which contains the chief public offices of the sultan we are met at the door by the guards one of whom takes us through room after room filled with clerks each wearing a turban or a red fez cap on his head some wear european clothes and a few have on long gowns like the merchants of the bazaars the empire of turkey is ruled by the sultan and a parliament of two houses which is elected by the people the sultan has a council of ministers much like the cabinet of our president his chief officer who has charge of all civil affairs is called the grand vizier and another very great man is the sheikh ul islam or chief of the church who has to do with all matters relating to the mohammedans in constantinople and throughout the empire not only is the sultan the civil ruler of the turkish people but he is the head of the mohammedan religion which is professed by more than one hundred million people in different parts of the world the turkish empire once included a large part of asia africa and europe but now it covers a territory only about a third as large as the united states the european possessions of the turks have for years been steadily decreasing country after country has been taken from them by russia and austria and the sultan is now able to hold constantinople and his remaining territories north of the bosporus only by the consent of the great powers who fear russia and think europe will be safer from her as long as the entrance to the black sea is in the hands of the turks all the countries of european turkey combined are not so large as some of our western states they now comprise only a part of the balkan peninsula a rich land inhabited by many different peoples much like those we saw on our trip down the danube there are roumanians servians bulgarians slavs albanians armenians gypsies and a great many turks about one half of the whole population is mohammedan and of the other half the most belong to the greek orthodox church which we learned about during our travels in russia the people throughout the whole turkish empire are poor the sultan and his officials prey upon them by demanding large taxes the laws provide that one-tenth of all the crops shall go to the government and the officials come out to the harvest fields and carry away their share of the grain there are also heavy taxes on imports and exports so that the people cannot save money men will not work hard in a country where the government takes the lion's share of the profits the result is that there are comparatively few industries in turkey and the minerals and other resources are but little developed in european turkey the people live chiefly by farming and stock raising they dwell in villages having but few large towns and only about a dozen cities of more than twenty thousand inhabitants the largest city outside constantinople is saloniki it is on the aegean sea and has a railroad connection with other parts of europe it has an excellent harbor and is becoming a commercial port 
as it is on the shortest sea route from london to the suez canal another important city is adrianople situated where the road from constantinople to vienna crosses that from bulgaria to the sea it is also the centre of the rose-growing industry where the attar of roses we bought in the bazaar is made we observe that education is backward in turkey the chief teachers are the mohammedan priests and the schools are largely connected with the mosques or mohammedan churches very few of the cities have any modern improvements and everything is somewhat asiatic european turkey is a mohammedan country ruled by mohammedans and all of our surroundings show the evil effects that mohammedanism has upon the people and their advancement in civilization and wealth but let us go to the mosques and see something of this interesting religion which is professed by about one-fifteenth of the population of the globe there are more than two thousand mosques in the turkish empire and about three hundred of the finest of them are in constantinople our first visit is to santa sophia the largest mosque of the world it was built as a christian church centuries ago ten thousand masons worked upon it for seven years and one hundred architects were required to oversee its construction it had doors of ivory amber and cedar and its altar was made of precious stones embedded in gold the finest temples of ephesus thebes athens and rome were robbed of columns in order to decorate it and it was a huge mass of precious marbles gold and jewels when the turks conquered constantinople they destroyed much of its beauty they defaced the paintings and tore down the altars and turned it into a mosque nevertheless it is still one of the most interesting of the world's churches and one of the largest it covers almost as much ground as the capitol at washington being built in the shape of a greek cross it is covered with a vast roof upheld by a forest of columns with a grand dome in the centre but let us go in and see for ourselves we shall first enter the court there are turbaned long-gowned turks guarding the doors and we are asked to take off our shoes for the mohammedans consider their churches holy and no one is permitted to enter them with his shoes on there are fountains in the court and about them are hundreds of turks washing themselves before they go in to pray the good mohammedan prays five times every day and he washes his face hands and feet before every prayer we walk through corridor after corridor of the great mosque and later attend one of the evening services held in the light of its thousands of lamps we stand in the galleries above great stars of flame which seem to be floating in the air between the dome and the floor every pillar and every alcove is ablaze and the galleries are walled with fire the service has already begun when we enter the building the floor below us is covered with worshippers there are at least five thousand mohammedans on their knees with their faces toward mecca on the floor below us in turbans and gowns with their shoes in front of them and their bare feet turned up to the gallery they form long lines of color upon the white mats away down there under the floating flames they are all praying in response to the shrill cries of the iman or priest who stands in the pulpit at one end of the vast church and leads the service he utters a sentence and the long lines of turbaned men below us rise and fall like clockwork in their devotions 
during our stay in constantinople we visit the seraglio in which is the old treasury of the sultan and later we drive out past the palace of ildiz where his majesty lives his grounds contain many acres of forests and gardens in which are ravines lakes and babbling brooks for he has a large income although his people are so poor he has altogether over thirty palaces and keeps thousands of servants there are a hundred porters for instance and it takes hundreds of cooks to prepare the food for the palace in the sultan's stables there are two thousand horses and the finest of all the arabian horses are sent to him he has many slave girls as wives according to law and formerly the most beautiful women that could be found in georgia and other parts of the caucasus mountains region where the women are noted for their beauty were bought and brought here to be members of his immediate family according to the mohammedan law every true believer has the right to four wives although most mohammedans for several reasons have only one one reason is that the better class women do but little work and only a rich man can support several wives another reason so the turks tell us is that with one wife a man may have peace in his family but that more than one often bring trouble and discord when we visit the mohammedans in their homes only the girls of our party are permitted to go into the women's apartments it is not polite for a man to ask after the wives and daughters of his friends the sexes are kept apart and a young man seldom sees his betrothed until the wedding the marriage is all arranged by the parents and the young people are supposed to take without question whomsoever their fathers and mothers select in many mohammedan families the men and women do not eat together nor do they associate with one another at parties and as we have seen whenever a woman goes about on the street she keeps her face well covered the turks are very polite they are continually making elaborately courteous remarks to one another when we meet them they accost us by saying in turkish may thy day be happy and if we would be as polite as they are we must reply may thy day be happy and blessed they are very hospitable and we are frequently asked out to dinner they usually eat but two meals a day one at ten o'clock in the morning and the other at sunset although they may take a cup of coffee on rising they do not use tables but have their meals served on trays some of which are as large around as a wash-tub in the centre of each tray is a mat on which the hot dishes are put with the salt pepper pickles and other such things about them new trays being brought in with the different courses at a real turkish meal in the interior every person has his own spoon and helps himself to the soup in his turn meat and other viands are often brought on cut in small pieces and are eaten with the fingers the people are very dainty in using their fingers touching the food only with the thumb and two first fingers or dipping it out with a piece of bread doubled up and held in the hand one turk being asked if he did not think our way was more cleanly he said every one knows whether he has washed his fingers but you can never tell who washes the knives and forks we find the food very good one of the most common dishes is pilaf made of rice and chopped meat stewed together this is served at almost every dinner and when well cooked is delicious we enjoy the turkish fig paste and the nougat or candy of nuts and sugar and also the rose jam 
which the servant brings in with a glass of water and a spoon we eat the jam in the approved turkish fashion taking first a spoonful of jam and then a swallow of water which dissolves the jam and leaves a taste of perfume in the mouth end of chapter thirty eight